in the Stanley Cup playoffs, a great goaltender can steal you a series. In the NBA playoffs, a superstar player can steal you a series. In the World Series, Major League Baseball, a great relief pitcher can steal you a series. But boy, there's something special about playoff football, isn't there? One game, you're either good enough or you're not. And here we are. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to Super Wildcard Weekend of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2021 uh, NFL regular season and now the 2022 NFL playoffs. We are finally here. The regular season has concluded. Kind of a mixed bag for me in week 18 to close off the season. We will certainly talk about that. We'll go over some stuff that I've been keeping track of all season long, just some interesting data. I find it interesting anyway, and I'm going to share it with you. Before we get into our picks for Super Wild Card Weekend in both the AFC as well as the NFC. So Week 18, I struggled early in Week 18 and I thought, oh goodness, here we go. It's going to collapse and it's going to be one of my worst weeks of the season. Didn't really wind up being that bad. I wound up 10-6 and six straight up. I didn't think I was going to get to double digits in Week 18 with the way I started the week, but I really finished the week strong. So 10-6 and six straight up. I did only go 5-10-1 against the spread. So definitely struggled against the spread last week. Just did not work out the way I had envisioned a lot of these games working out. And was only 1-3 and three on the totals as well. So definitely on the betting picks, a really down week at just 6-13-1 combined. So, for the season, my final overall results in the regular season. Straight up, 154-117-1. A very down season picking the game straight up. I'm used to being in like the 160s. In 17 week seasons with a whole extra week, I only got into the mid 150s. So definitely a down season for me straight up. Going to look to rebound on that in 2022. Against the spread, I finished nine games under 500 at 130, 139 and three pushes. And over-under, I mean, you know the story of my over-under all year. However, I did go 16, 19, and 1 over the last nine weeks of the season since we started doing just the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. So I did actually improve towards the latter part of the season. Speaking of the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, another kind of mixed bag. I went 3-1 and one straight up. I missed the bronze pick, which was the Chargers over the Raiders. Obviously, the Raiders win that game in overtime. I actually get swept on the bronze pick to close the season, which is not exactly great. Lost it straight up. I laid the 2.5 on the Chargers, so that obviously didn't work out. And I had the game going under, and the under felt like it was doomed by halftime. So, look, that one just didn't work out for me. The Raiders got the job done, of course, too much to the excitement of one dude in my comment section uh, last week who was really giving me the business over how I treat the Raiders. I think I treat the Raiders how they've earned, but that's just me. 
Now, in the rest of the picks, I had Pittsburgh over Baltimore, had KC over Denver, and had the Niners over the Rams. And I really want to look at the silver pick because not only did I sweep that pick, got the Niners straight up, the Niners obviously plus the five points, and over 44 and a half. I actually perfectly predicted the final score as well. I had that game 27-24 Niners. You can go back to last week's episode and check it out. That's what I had the final score as. So it does feel kind of cool every now and then to perfectly predict a final score in a game. Uh, I didn't get Kansas City minus 10 against the spread, but I did get Pittsburgh plus the three and a half as they won outright as the underdogs against Baltimore. Only went one and three on the totals, only getting that over 44 and a half in San Fran, Los Angeles. So for the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze for the season. I finished the season, the bronze pick, 14 and 4 straight up, 11 and 7 against the spread, 10 and 8 on the total. So it is the only pick where all three are above 500, which is kind of excellent. I'm glad I got that with at least one pick. Certainly would have liked to have better than that, but look, my totals were what they were for a lot of the year. Silver pick, also 14 and 4 straight up, only 8 and 10 against the spread, and 7 and 11 on the totals. Gold, only 12 and 6 straight up. So only got two out of three games uh, on that one. So we're hoping for better next year with that. I was even money at 9 and 9 against the spread in the gold pick. Totals were pretty close, 8, 9, and 1. And the platinum pick, 14 and 4 straight up. Even money, 9 and 9 against the spread. And 7 and 11 on the totals. As I mentioned, just a couple of interesting little stats that I've been keeping track of all year. Obviously, of course, the rule of four. So the rule of four, I have been measuring that since the beginning of the 2016 season. And if you don't know, the rule of four is a rule that states that in any given week, no matter how many games in the regular season, at least four betting underdogs will win their game straight up. So I started measuring this because I started noticing it a year or two before that. It's like, man, there's dogs that hit and multiple dogs every single week. I wonder how it works out. Started with a hypothesis. Turned out to be true. The rule of four, an immaculate 16 and two this season. So in 16 of 18 weeks, at least four betting underdogs won their game straight up. The only weeks where it didn't hit were weeks 17 and 14, where only two and three, respectively, had won. And in a week where the rule of four hit, on average, almost six full betting underdogs pulled Moneyline upsets, winning their games straight up. So again, it was a banner year for the rule of four, the best record in any of the seasons that I've been tracking it. Teams on the tail end of back-to-back road games, another thing that I pay attention to all year. 34 and 32 straight up, so kind of a mixed bag, sort of a coin flip there. They were 35 and 31 against the spread, so they were at least, you know, 10% better against the spread than they were uh, straight up in those games. Also, I tracked how, uh, you know, betting favorites and how the over did all year long, and I used that in conjunction with everything else to help me make some of my picks. So betting favorites, only 47.4% this season. 129 out of 272 betting favorites actually covered against the spread this year. So less than 50%. It's always a good choice to take uh, plenty of points in the run of a week. And the totals were even worse. Only 125 of 272 overs hit this season. That's only 46%. There was a lot of money to be made this year betting the under. 
taking a look at the Bridgewater's Finest, Half Moon's Picks, and Ante and Co. Pick'em Pools for 2021. Uh, I finished the season, so the regular season, I should say, because I think all of these pools continue throughout the playoffs. So if you're in one of these pools, it's still going. you still got four weeks left to go. The Bridgewater's Finest Pool, I end the regular season in that 19th spot out of 28. 1,392 confidence points. It's just over 63% on the season. I did bring in 90 of 136 confidence points in week 18, which is a little higher than that season average. It's 66.2. In the Half Moons Picks Pool, I'm 35th at the end of the regular season out of 100 with only 1,051 confidence points. It's just under 48% of the total available points up to this point in the season. I only brought in 45 of 136, so I had two really down weeks to end the regular season, 45 and 57 points respectively in the Half Moons Picks pool. Not a good way for me to end the season. In that one, that's only 33.1% of the available points last week. The Ante and Co pool, which is just a straight up pick em pool. You pick the game, you pick who's going to win. I've actually climbed up to 13th place now. It was really tough from a slow start early in the season to gain any traction, but now I've kind of hit that that meaty part of the curve and I've actually you know gone up to 13th place out of 22 and just a couple of weeks ago, I think I was 18th or 19th. So I've started to climb the ladder in that one. 154 straight up correct picks this season. It's 56.6%. I'd like to be closer to 60, but I'll take what I've got. And I got 10 out of 16, obviously, in week 18 for 62.5%. Shout out to our week 18 winners, Anthony Simone in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, going 9 and 7, but bringing in 94 of 136 confidence points. So you can tell, like, I brought in 90, he brought in 94. I had myself a pretty solid week, but it was not enough to win week 18. 94 of 136 is 69.1% of the points. Anthony Simone wins week 18 in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool. The Cacker with an awesome performance in week 18 in the Half Moons Picks Pool, bringing in 128 of 136 confidence points. That's 94.1%. And I believe that vaulted them into like the top three overall on the season. Massive way to end the regular season. Shout out to the Cacker for a big performance there. And in the Ante and Co pool, hey, Bridgewater's Finest, 10 of 16 games correct, winning the week outright. The only person in that straight up pick and pool to get into double digits straight up last week. 62.5%. It's good enough for me to win the week in week 18. And it's nice to collect a win there at the end of the year. Uncle BBQ Barry, Moby Polito, and Rams Fan 412, respectively, remain the overall leaders in those pools. Uncle BBQ Barry, 1,559 out of 2,200 possible confidence points, 70.9% to lead the Bridgewater's Finest Pool. Moby Polito, 1,289 out of 2,200 confidence points, 58.6% to lead the Half Moon's ATS Pool. And Rams fan 412 with 177 straight up correct picks this year. A massive performance for them. 65.1%. They still lead the way in the Ante and Co pool. 
And I'll take this opportunity to remind you, as I always do, that if you go to the description of the video here on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast of choice, you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for Super Wildcard Weekend this week. Yes, that's right. I'm doing all the picks for all the games because it's playoff time. We got to go big. You can find information on joining any of those pick and pools that I just talked about. The Bridgewater's fine a straight up pool with confidence points the half moons against the spread pool with confidence points or the anti and co straight up pick and pool you can find information on joining the nfl youtube prognosticators facebook page and information on my great friends and sponsors at nerd tees I'm currently in the process of creating my next big order from nerdtees.ca, which you should be doing as well. Nerdtees.ca is where you need to go to find dozens and dozens of incredible loose leaf tea blends and accessories, gifts for you, gifts for those on your list, great tea blends, including the one that I am enjoying today, which is Kiwi-licious, which has been a long-term one for me, I've had this blend a couple of times, really, really enjoy it. You want to go to nerdtees.ca and you want to use my promo code, which is BWFINEST. That is going to save you 15% at checkout. You're going to get free shipping on any order over 100 bucks, And you're also going to get a great conversion rate on the US dollar. Once again, nerdtees.ca, promo code is BWFINEST. Get your free shipping, save your 15%. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtees.ca. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, and we will waste no more of it. Super Wildcard Weekend is on deck beginning on Saturday. We've got a slate of six playoff games. Obviously, the two teams on by being the Green Bay Packers in the NFC and the Tennessee Titans in the AFC. So the playoff picture looks like this. On the AFC side, you've got the number two seed Kansas City Chiefs at home taking on AFC's number seven seed, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who won and got in in the last week of the season. The three versus six matchup in the AFC is the Buffalo Bills at home playing host to the New England Patriots. So obviously battle there of the AFC East. And the four versus five matchup is the Cincinnati Bengals playing host to the Las Vegas Raiders who got in in the last week, the last game of the regular season. On the NFC side, the number two seed Tampa Bay Bucks playing host to number seven Philadelphia Eagles. The three versus six matchup is the Dallas Cowboys playing host to the San Francisco 49ers. And in a four versus five match, a battle of the NFC West, the Los Angeles Rams at home playing host to the Arizona Cardinals. So starting with the games on Saturday, the two AFC matchups, the four versus five and the three versus six. Let's kick things off here in Cincinnati. The Bengals once again playing host to the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, both of these teams finished the season at 10 and 7 overall. Raiders 5 and 3 in their eight road games. Bengals only 5 and 4 at home, so didn't exactly have the world's strongest season in their own building. As a favorite this year, Cincinnati got the job done for the most part. 5 and 3 straight up in games where they were the betting favorite, winning those games on average by 6.1 points. Now, with Vegas, there's a really interesting conversation to have here because Vegas is a betting underdog in this game, which we'll of course get to when we get to the full pick. As a betting dog this year, the Raiders were both 7 and 4 straight up and 7 and 4 against the spread. Now, what this means is that in games where the Raiders were a betting underdog, 
Yes, they won seven of those 11 games. Those were the only games as a betting underdog that the Raiders then covered against the spread. So there was no hedging in Raiders games this year. The Raiders were either going to win that game outright and therefore cover against the spread, or they're going to lose and they're not going to cover the number either. So it's either going to be a win or it's going to be a fairly significant loss. And that's measured in a couple of uh, statistics here. So the Raiders, yes, seven and four straight up in games as an underdog, but on average, they were outscored in those games by five and a half points apiece. So what that means is their wins were actually very similar to the win that they had on uh, Sunday night against the Chargers, a close game finished by just a couple of points. Their losses have been significant, high-scoring losses, very high-margin losses. They've been blown out in a number of those games. So it's very feast or famine for the Raiders. And it's the same deal against the spread. They're 7-4 and four against the spread. All seven of those underdog ATS covers are games that they won outright. The four that they lost, they lost significantly because the spread beat them by an average of a full point on the season, despite the fact that they were seven and four in those games. The Bengals, for their part, were only even money as betting favorites this year against the spread at four and four, but on average, they did beat the spread by 1.1 points. Both of these teams were 8-4 and four this season straight up against AFC opponents, but once again, that 8-4 and four not built the same. The Raiders, 8-4 and four straight up, but on average were outscored by AFC opponents by nearly 5 full points on the season. So yes, they won 2 out of every 3 games against AFC opponents. Close, tight football games. The games that they lost, they were blown out of the water. You don't get an average like that of negative 4.9 points on average and win two out of every three games without getting blown out in those losses. That's what that number means. Now, the Bengals were 8-4 and four as well, and on average outscored AFC opponents this season by 5.6 points, which is a more close number that you would expect to see from a team that won two out of every three games against a particular set of opponents. Against the spread, got to give the edge to the Bengals here as well. They were 10-7 and seven overall against the spread this year, uh, beating the number by 4.4 points on average on the season. The Raiders were just under 500 at 8-9 and nine overall, but got beat by the number by nearly two points on average. Cincinnati, one of the least penalized teams in the NFL. In fact, one of the five least penalized teams in the NFL this season. The Raiders, on the other hand, one of the five most penalized teams in the NFL. And they also struggled controlling the football this year with a minus nine turnover ratio on the regular season. So again, we've talked about the Raiders all year long, and I'm not going to try to justify myself to the one dude in the comments who, you know, kind of got his nose out of joint that I was talking down about the Raiders last week. I'm going to do it again. They're a team that's going to make mistakes. They're going to shoot themselves in the foot, and they're playing a team this week in the Bengals that does not do that. Their turnover ratio this season was fine. They don't take penalties. They're not making the mistakes, on certainly not as frequently as the Raiders are, that are going to put them in bad situations. And with the Raiders playing a team this week that is far more capable of taking advantage of those mistakes, all those mistakes get magnified because it's the playoffs. 
I have to lean on the Bengals in this game. A, I think they're the better football team. B, they're at home. And C, again, they're just a team that is not going to as frequently as the team that they're playing make the mistakes that might cost them a football game. So we're going to go with the Bengals here. I like Cincinnati straight up at home to beat the Raiders. On the line, Cincinnati's laying six points here as the home favorite. We talked about it. Usually there would be three options in a game. You would take the betting favorite with the points. You would take the betting favorite but hedge your bets against the spread and take the underdog to cover. Or you would take the underdog outright. Because if the underdog wins outright, they're automatically going to cover against the spread. Those are your three options. We can effectively eliminate that middle option since we're talking about the Raiders. They did not cover as an underdog against the spread this year in a game that they did not win outright. So if you don't like the Raiders to win, there's no money to be made or there's been no money to be made this year in taking them as a hedge. So it's either going to be Cincinnati with the points or Raiders outright. I like Cincinnati to win. I'm going to lay the six points on the Bengals here. I think it's a two-possession game anyway, but I'm going to lay the six on Cincinnati. Total in the game is set at 49 points. I've only got this thing in like the mid-30s, I think. Most all of these games are in cold weather locations, with the exception of like Tampa Bay, obviously, is not cold weather. Dallas isn't really cold weather. The Rams aren't. So, I mean, like, but this game in particular, this game being played in Cincinnati, Ohio... It's going to be cold weather. So I, I just I just don't feel like we're going to see a ton of points in this game. I don't necessarily know that I love the offensive upside of the Raiders against this Bengals defense the way that they've been playing lately. So we're going to stick under 49 points in Cincinnati, Las Vegas. Let's take uh, Bengals 24, Raiders 10. So like Cincinnati straight up, taking the points with the Bengals, and I like the under. Speaking of cold, let's go to Buffalo now, that battle of the AFC East, the three versus six matchup on the AFC side, the Buffalo Bills at home playing host to the New England Patriots. Now I've heard, I think from my good friend Keith Bailey, that around kickoff for this game, it's going to be, I think, five degrees. So it's going to be cold in Buffalo for this game. Now, both of these teams are used to that playing where they play. So that's not a massive advantage, but you certainly got to take it into consideration when you're looking at what the results of this game might be. Patriots 10 and 7 on the year, including a 6 and 2 mark away from home this year. So they really got the job done away from home. Bills 11 and 6, 6 and 3 in their own building. Buffalo's the favorite in this game, and as a favorite, they were 9-5 and five straight up this season, outscoring opponents by a little over 12 points per game. Patriots were not an underdog a ton this year, only five games. They were under 500 in those games at 2-3, and three, and they were outscored in those games by just a little over a couple of points. Buffalo 7-5-2 this season against the spread as a betting favorite, only beating the line by about 1.7 points. The Patriots, as a betting underdog, were 3-2 against the spread, so a hedge possibility is definitely in there. They beat the line on average by 1.3 points, so actually not as dissimilar as one might expect. Rather than looking at conference play in this matchup, I had to look at division play because obviously these are division opponents that play a lot of the same teams. Against the division, Patriots only 3-3 three and three this season in their six divisional games. However, one of those three wins was this game 
early in December. They went to Buffalo. I believe it was December 6th. They went to Buffalo and they got the win in that game. They did also outscore division opponents in those six games by a full touchdown this year, plus seven in the scoring differential. Now, the Bills, they dominated the AFC East this year. They were 5-1, and one, that one loss coming at home to New England on December 6th. Does add some intrigue to this game, but they outscored AFC East opponents by 17.2 points on the season. So, Buffalo dominated this division. Rightfully, they're the division champions. Patriots had a solid season against the spread, 10 and 7 on the year, beating the spread on average by 6.2 points. Buffalo, to their credit, 9, 6, and 2, but only beat the number by about 3.2. So I would say the better against the spread results this season came from the New England Patriots. Uh, Buffalo, not one of the five most penalized teams in the league, but they're pretty darn close. And again, I've talked about it for multiple weeks. I think that's one of the things that holds them back from being a truly elite team in this league. The Patriots are coming in here on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. Definitely something to keep in mind. Really didn't like what I saw from the Patriots uh, last week, losing that game to Miami. That game meant nothing to the Dolphins, but they still came out and played like their lives depended on it. So I certainly respect that. But you would expect New England to have uh, performed a little bit better when the division was on the line. They had everything to gain in a game like that and didn't wind up playing up to expectations. That scares me heading into the playoffs. I've got to lean on Buffalo here. I think the Bills are the better team top to bottom. I don't think they're not the better coached team. New England's definitely the better coached team. I'd say they're coached better than virtually everybody else in the league. In terms of the roster top to bottom, I think the Bills have a slight edge there. I'm going to take Buffalo to win the game, but I think I might hedge my bets here. The Bills are laying four points at home as the favorite. That's not an unreasonable number of points to lay on the team that's going to win, but this is going to be a full-fledged hedge because it is a division game. The Patriots, I would say, had the better against the spread results this season, so I'm going to hedge and I'm going to take the four points with the New England Patriots. This easily a game that the Patriots could win outright. Total in the game set at 43, and I believe it is the lowest total. It is the lowest total of any game that we're going to look at this week. I think I still have to stick under on it. Bloody cold, 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 defensive, you know, just, just one of those trench warfare battles, I think, is what we're going to see in this game. So, yes, it's a low number, but I'm still going to stick under 43 points on Buffalo and New England. Let's go Bills 17, Patriots 14. Buffalo gets the job done, maybe on a last-second field goal, but I'm going to take the four points right now with the Patriots. Stay under on the 43. Let's go to Tampa now, that top-tier NFC matchup of two versus seven, the Tampa Bay Bucks playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles in this game. Eagles come in with the benefit of the long week, having played early in Week 18. Eagles 9-8 and eight on the season, but six of those nine wins did come away from home, so Philly did have a strong season this year away from their own building. Tampa Bay 13 and 4 on the year, a near perfect 7 and 1 when they played at Raymond James Stadium. So obviously the Bucks, they did exactly what you need to do to have a very high level season and if we were still in the playoff uh, layout where the top 2 seeds in a conference got a bye, then obviously the Bucks would have had one this year. 
The Bucs as favorites were favorites in every single football game where they took the field this season. 13 and 4 straight up as favorites, beating opponents on average by 9.3 points on the year. The Eagles were underdogs eight times this year. They only won two of those games straight up and on average were beaten by almost six and a half points on average in those games. So the nearly a touchdown that they lost when they were an underdog, they did pull a couple of upset wins. They were also three and five against the spread in those games, losing to the spread by an average of just a couple of points per game. Now, while the Bucs were 13-4 and four straight up, obviously, as favorites this year because it was every single game, they were only 9-8 and eight against the spread. So they were by no means juggernauts at beating Vegas. So 9-8 and eight against the spread, and they only beat the spread on average by a half point per game this year. I don't want to say average numbers against the spread, but kind of middling numbers against the spread. So they were not a powerhouse against that number. In conference play this year, the Eagles were 7-5 and five against NFC opponents, beating them on average by four and uh, about 4.5 points a game. The Bucs were 8-4 and four in those games against NFC opponents, beating them on average by 9.3 points per game, which is the exact average that they had overall on the season. So definitely have to give the edge to the Bucs there. Against the spread, the Eagles 8-8-1 eight, eight overall on the season. Fairly decent against the number. And on average, they beat the spread by a full field goal. All year, whether they were a favorite, whether they were an underdog, they beat the spread on average by a field goal, the Bucks, like we talked about, 9-8, and eight, only beat the spread by half a point. So based on those against the spread numbers, the temptation is definitely there to grab the Eagles here against the spread. They are definitely an underdog, and they're a fairly sizable underdog as well. The Bucks, one of the best teams in the NFL this year in terms of protecting the football. Brady gave up very, very few turnovers on the year. The Bucks' defense generated plenty throughout the year. This is a team that is not going to make the mistake, the critical mistake that winds up beating them. They're going to force you to play a perfect game and beat them yourselves. Props to the Eagles for making the playoffs. Props to them as well for a pretty solid season away from their own building. They were under 500 at home, but really got the job done away. I just, I don't think it's enough to beat the Bucks here. Even if you have Jalen Hurts back, I, I just don't think it's enough to beat Tampa or Tom Brady here on wildcard weekend. Brady's probably not used to playing on wildcard weekend, but I don't think that's going to change too, too much. I think we're going to go ahead and grab the Bucks here straight up at home to beat the Eagles. Again, they were overwhelming at home this year at 7-1. and one. Just feels like the smart play. So Bucks at home beat the Eagles. Now on the line, the Bucks are laying a full 8.5 points. This took a lot of thought. This is a much easier number to lay if Antonio Brown didn't lose his mind or if uh, Chris Godwin didn't get hurt. This is not the easiest number in the world for me to lay. Again, the temptation definitely there to grab the Eagles with arguably the better against the spread results this year. I don't think I can do that. I think I had to go, I'm going to have to lay the points. It's not an overwhelmingly easy number to lay, like I mentioned, but I think I'll lay the eight and a half here on the Bucks. I do have it as a two possession game. 
Total in the game set at 49. I don't think this flies one way or the other, but I do like the over in this matchup. We're going to go over the 49 points. Again, not by a ton, but over the 49 in Tampa Bay, Philly. I like the offensive upside of both of these teams. I just like Tampa to get the job done. Let's go Bucks 31, Eagles 20. So we're going to go with Tampa Bay straight up. We're going to lay the eight and a half on the Bucks, and it goes over the 49 points. Next up, we are headed to Dallas, where the Cowboys, with the benefit of a long week having played early last week, are going to play host to the San Francisco 49ers. Dallas, a slight favorite heading into this game. Niners 10-7 and on the season. They clinched their playoff spot with a win in the last week of the season in Los Angeles against the Rams. They were 6-3 and away from home this season, were the Niners. So another team that kind of struggled in their own building, only even money at four and four but got the job done away Dallas a very strong season 12 and five on the year but funny enough only five and three in Jerry world they weren't these powerhouses in their own building obviously they were powerhouses away from home seven and two a lot of road warriors in the NFL this season but at home five and three I mean it it's you you did your job but boy three home losses on the year interesting Dallas spent a lot of time as a betting favorite this season. 13 of their 17 games, they were a betting favorite. They won 10 of those 13 games and outscored opponents by nearly four or nearly two full touchdowns in those games. Plus 13.6 is the margin of victory there for Dallas. The Niners, only three games this season were the Niners underdogs. Interesting because they were they were favorites a bunch this year. Only dogs three times. They did win two of those three games outright and won those games by an average of 5.7 points. Dallas not only won 10 of those 13 games where they were betting favorites, they also covered against the spread in 10 of those 13 games. They beat the spread by an average of 6.6 points. So again, they're only a slight favorite here. They were beating numbers like that all year long. San Francisco, as the dog, they won those two games outright. They were 2-1 and one against the spread as an underdog this year and on average beat the spread by 10 full points. So it wasn't very often, but the Niners had good results this season when they were a dog. Five of San Francisco's seven losses this season did come against NFC opponents. They were 7-5 and five in those games. They did outscore the NFC on average by 3.2 points per game. But boy, you look at Dallas's side of this ledger, 10-2 and two against NFC opponents this year and outscored them by 15.8 points on average this year. Two full touchdowns up. And that's just, they were massive against the NFC this year. Dallas also had a monster season overall this year against the spread. They were 13 and 4 ATS this year. Lots of money to be made betting with the Cowboys, plus 5.9 to the spread on average this year. Whereas if you look at the Niners, they were only 9 and 8 against the spread this year and were pretty well even money to the Vegas numbers. Niners come in here obviously on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games having had to win in Los Angeles in order to make the playoff or clinch their playoff spot I should say. Although it was it's almost tough to describe that as a road game with how many Niners fans were in the building. It was like kind of almost neutral site. It was kind of half and half. 
Dallas, one of the most penalized teams in the NFL this year, one of the five most penalized, in fact. However, they were one of the best teams in the turnover ratio this year. Double digits to the positive for the Cowboys this year. That has been a bread and butter part of their season. Obviously, everybody points to uh, to Trayvon Diggs, but it's, it's not just Trayvon Diggs. This team, just very good all around this year at protecting the football and generating turnovers. The vast majority of the numbers, I would say, point you towards taking the Dallas Cowboys in this game. Obviously, they had a better statistical season in most respects than the Niners. They were, you know, very good against common opponents this year. They were much better against the spread. It's not the way I'm going to go. I There's something. I feel something about this Niners team. Whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo kind of fighting for his career, that's a possibility. Whether it's George Kittle, one of the most unquestionably charismatic players in professional sports, period. I don't know what it is. There's something about this Niners team. There's some smell on this Niners team where they smell like a bracket buster. Don't ask me to explain it. I don't think I can explain it with the numbers other than the fact that in this game, they were better on the road this year, I would say, than Dallas was at home. But boy, there's just something about this Niners team. I'm taking the upset here. I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers on the road in Dallas to upset the Dallas Cowboys. Niners go to the next round. And as the lowest seed surviving, because I have Philadelphia already out, the Niners would be the team to travel to Lambeau Field and take on the Green Bay Packers in the second round of the NFC playoffs. On the line, Dallas is laying three points here as a home favorite. I'm taking the Niners to win, so give me the three points. Total in the game set at 50 and a half points. Even though it's not going to be cold, it's going to be ideal conditions because they're going to be in Jerry World. I'm still going to take the under here. I think I'm going to lean on the defense of the San Francisco 49ers to have their game to just maybe have the their whole game of the playoffs. Maybe they go no further than this, but I think this Niners defense pulls it out and gets the victory. We're going to go under the 50 and a half points, go Niners 23, Cowboys 21. So we like the Niners straight up taking the three points and under 50 and a half. It's worth noting that over Dallas's last four games, yeah, they got two games in there where they scored 50 points apiece, massive offensive performances. The defenses have played well, but in around those two 50 point performances is like 21, 22, all one possession games. I think this is much closer going to mimic a game like that than what we saw last week against the Eagles without their starting quarterback. Let's go to Kansas City now, that top billing matchup in the AFC, the two versus seven matchup, the Kansas City Chiefs at home playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh kind of moonwalking their way into the playoffs, having to win in back-to-back weeks. They got the job done as underdogs both times, I believe, if I remember correctly, and they sneak in as the final playoff seed in the AFC. Ben Roethlisberger's retirement plans get put on hold for at least one more week, and they get the um yeah congratulations you get to go to kansas city and play the chiefs 
Pittsburgh nine and seven on the season, only three and five on the road. So they had a really good season, six and two at Heinz Field. Very tough team to win in their own building or to beat, sorry, in their own building. Only three and five on the road. Not great when you have to go to the 12 and five Kansas City Chiefs who were seven and two at home. Kansas City, like Tampa, were favorites in every single game they stepped on the field this season. They were 12-5 and straight up in those games, outscoring teams on average by 6.8 points. Now, Pittsburgh spent plenty of time this year as an underdog. 11 games, they were an underdog, but they won six of those games outright. So kind of like the Las Vegas Raiders, they were a bit of uh, Vegas busters this year, winning six of those games outright. The rule of four thanks you, Pittsburgh, for your service. They were six and five in those games, but were outscored on average by just about four points per game. So their losses, like the Raiders, blowouts. Pittsburgh did have a hedge in there this season as an underdog against the spread as well, being 7-4 and four against the spread as an underdog this season, and pretty well even money, about half a point up to the Vegas numbers. Now, Kansas City, like I said, they were a favorite in every single game, but also, like Tampa Bay, were not exactly um, a murderer's row against the spread this year. As a matter of fact, the Chiefs were under 500 against the spread this year at 8 and 9. Now, they did outscore Vegas's lines by also about a half point. So kind of even money situationally here between the Chiefs and the Steelers, although they certainly got there in very different ways. Against common opponents, both of these teams, only 7-5 and five this season. All five of Kansas City's losses came against AFC opponents this year. So they means they ran the table 5-0 and oh against the NFC. So that's kind of cool. But both teams 7-5. and five. Pittsburgh, however, was outscored on average by 3.5 points per game, where Kansas City beat their AFC opponents on average by 5.5 points per game. So that's a pretty wide chasm in there. It's about 8 full points in terms of the difference. So not all 7 and 5s are created equal. And as I talked about Kansas City's struggles against the spread this year, the, Char uh, the Steelers were kind of in the same boat. They were also 8-9 and nine against the spread this year and were actually outscored by Vegas's numbers by about two points per game. I feel bad for the Steelers here. I mean, they're on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games, one of three such teams in this round of the playoffs. They got to go to a Chiefs team who is a little better rested. Take a few too many penalties for my liking, but this Chiefs team has kind of turned it on here over the last month or so, outscoring opponents 32 to 18. Uh, I believe they've won at least, yeah, they've won at least four straight games. The Chiefs are playing like the Chiefs. And the Steelers, that offense has really struggled. Yeah, they had 26 points a couple of weeks ago, but just has not been a solid end to the season for them offensively. Their defense has been okay. I haven't, I don't consider it great. I think Kansas City's defense is playing much better right now. I just don't see an avenue for the Steelers to win this game. A tough building to win in, very loud crowd. And they're just not that good of a team. They're not that team to go into Kansas City. So we're on Kansas City here pretty heavily to win this game straight up. Vegas also laying 12 and a half points on the hometown Chiefs. Now, now this is a number that I struggled with. I originally looked at it and went, man, that's too many points in a playoff game. I think I can make the Steelers cover this. And then I sat back and I said, well, if I'm making the Steelers cover it, 
I don't really believe it. I'm trying to, I'm fudging my numbers and just doing it because I want to. It's not what I really feel. And what I really feel is that Kansas City covers this number. I don't think it's a a layup cover because it is 12 and a half points and it's a playoff game and anything can happen. But I've got them winning by 16, 17 points. So I think the number is going to hit. So let's lay the 12 and a half points on Kansas City. Total in the game set at 46 and a half. And this is going to sound silly. I'm staying under on this. I don't know what I'm going to get from the Steelers offensively. I really don't. I know the Chiefs have been a little porous defensively. We've seen that this season, especially against the run. But I I just, I don't think Najee Harris steals this game. I think we're going to stay under on the points because I just don't know what I'm going to see on the scoreboard from one team. Under 46 and a half in Kansas City, Pittsburgh. Let's go Chiefs 31, Steelers 14. So Chiefs straight up laying the 12 and a half points, staying under just barely And the last game of the week, the NFC four versus five matchup, the Los Angeles Rams at home playing host to the Arizona Cardinals. This being a battle of two teams going in exactly the opposite direction in terms of discipline. The Cards, one of the five most penalized teams in the NFL. The Rams, one of the five least penalized teams in the NFL. Both of these teams got to double digits straight up this year. Arizona at 11 and 6, the Rams at 12 and 5 to win the division, but the Cards 8 and 1 on the road this year. A massive performance away from their own building. That did mean that they were 3 and 5 at home, but 8 and 1 on the road. Huge performances away from their own building. The Rams 12 and 5 on the season as I mentioned, only 5 and 3 at home, so kind of like when we talked about uh, the Dallas Cowboys, like five and three is you got the job done, but it wasn't exactly overwhelming. Rams are the betting favorites in this game as they were for the vast majority of the season. They were only underdogs twice this year. Rams 10 and five straight up in games where they were the betting favorite and they did outscore opponents on average by almost five points. It's 4.7 points. However, Arizona six and oh, this season as an underdog. Only underdog six times this year. All six of those games, they won outright and won them in dominant fashion, outscoring opponents by an average of 15.3 points per game as a betting underdog. So obviously, since they were 6-0 straight up, they were also 6-0 against the spread in those games, and they beat Vegas' number on average by nearly 20 points, plus 19.8 against the spread margin of victory in those six underdog wins for Arizona. Like we talked about, the Rams were favorites 15 times this year. They only covered against the spread six of those. So they were six and nine and got beat by Vegas' number on average by almost two and a half points. Arizona, I would argue, also had better results this year inside the division. Four and two straight up against the NFC West, outscoring NFC West opponents on average by five and a half points per game. Whereas you look at the Rams, Rams were even money. They were three and three inside the division this year, but on average outscored by NFC West opponents by two and a half points. Neither team was overwhelming here overall against the spread. Um, the Cardinals 10 and 7 on the year. They did beat Vegas's number on average by a point and a half. But the Rams under 500 against the spread at 8 and 9 got beat by Vegas's number 
you know, by about a point. As I mentioned, Rams, one of the five most disciplined teams in the NFL this year. Cards, one of the five least disciplined teams in the NFL this year. But I want you to go back and take a look at that Rams game. Look at the overtime of that Rams game. How did that game end? The game ended by Matthew Stafford throwing an interception. The Arizona Cardinals were double digits to the positive in turnover ratio this year. One of the best teams in the NFL at generating defensive turnovers and limiting turnovers on the offense. That, I think, is going to be the single defining factor of this football game. And I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals, even though they really struggled down the stretch in the last month. The Cards, their last four games, they were outscored 30-21 to on average in those games. I still think it's the defensive playmaking of the Arizona Cardinals that's going to wind up being the difference in this game. Cardinals go into Los Angeles and pull a big upset win over Matt Stafford and the Rams. On the line, the Rams are laying four points here as the home favorite. A totally understandable if you want to go either way on this game. This game is not easy to cap, but I'm taking the cards, so I'm taking the plus four. Total in the game set at 50, and for the fifth time in six games, I'm going to stay under on it. I, it's playoff football. It's much more marginal, much closer, tighter, defensive-oriented football. I'm going to stay under the 50 points here in Los Angeles, Arizona. Let's go Cards 24, Rams 23. So we're going Cards straight up, taking the four points on Arizona, under 50. Those are your picks for Super Wild Card Weekend, and it is time now for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week for my week 18 episode is going to go to my good friend, West Coast Martin. Martin's been obviously a massive part of this prognosticators community for a very long time. So Martin gets the last comment of the week of the regular season. His comment from week 18 said, USA Today posted a small list of possible new nicknames for the Washington football team. I personally like Sentinels, but would you believe Washington football team is a finalist? And I wanted to kind of highlight this because my response to Martin was, honestly, I do. Football fans are territorial, almost tribal. Even though football team is an awkward sounding name in an American football context, it's a common naming convention in soccer. And I stated like Toronto FC, Toronto Football Club. And now that fans have had two years or more to get used to it, it doesn't surprise me that it has support. And that's 100% the way that I feel about the Washington situation. I don't think they're going to keep football team, but if they did, I would have absolutely no problem with it. It, it feels like something that, again, a big segment of fans have already gotten used to. So, I mean... Why not stick with it? I know they're not going to. I know they're going to go with, I think it's either Admirals or, like Martin said, Sentinels certainly has some support. But if they stayed with Washington football team, I would be perfectly fine with that. Martin, thank you so much for your comment and your question. Yours is the comment of the week from the Week 18 episode. And that is going to do it for the Super Wildcard Weekend episode of the Pick Show here. Thank you so much for listening all season long. Playoff time, there is absolutely nothing like it. 
it. I hope you enjoy the playoff games this weekend. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. I got a couple of those road warriors coming home to roost here on Super Wildcard Weekend. How do you think the games are going to go? Let me know in the comments section below. If you don't like that I didn't pick the Raiders, well, that's just the way that it is.